0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tau Foundation.
2: What's that smell that brings you back to childhood?
3: The smell of tomato plants the scent of burning wood
4: the smell of
1: christmas candles it's coffee it's specifically cafe cubano
5: ultra sheen which is a jar of blue pomade gel that my mom would use on me and my sister's hair on saturday afternoon
6: moonbeams pencils the shaving smell more earthy and richer than regular pencils
7: the smell of summer afternoon rain.
8: I love the smell of my grandmother's house. Oh, Vix vapor up, seriously! Like that is my smell.
2: Today, hear stories from eighteen people. Plus, if you want to implant smell memories into the malleable brains of the children in your life, get advice from a researcher on how and when to do it. I'm Kion Wolf. That's coming up next on Audacious. from Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Here's the deal. My favorite death doula, Elua Arthur, who was also the very first guest on Audacious, recently posted this quote by the poet Atticus. Here he is, reading it.
9: Have you ever smelled a smell and it instantly brings you back to a happy moment from your childhood? I hope that's what death is, just sitting on a cloud, smelling old smells.
2: And you know how we roll here at Audacious. We see something like that and we think, huh, wouldn't it be cool to do a whole show featuring people talking about their reaction to the idea of what smell brings you back to childhood? Whether it's something you'd want to smell for the rest of eternity, suspended on that puffy cloud, or if it's something that hurts to think of, what is that smell? Mine is the sweet baby powder smell of my Cabbage Patch doll, Denise. And I don't want to talk too much, because this hour you're going to hear from 18 people answering that very question, including Elua Arthur and the poet Atticus. And not only people who grew up in Connecticut, but also people who spent their childhoods in Africa or Asia. First, though, I wanted to chat with someone who thinks about smells and their connection with memory. Dr. Angharad Rudkin is a child clinical psychologist in the United Kingdom. She was part of a UK research study that surveyed people about what smells bring them back to childhood. A few things at the top of that list, fresh cut grass, crayons, and Play-Doh. But what other smells stood out for
8: there were other smells that were so personal, and that can be perfume. It can be the smell of your granny's house um, or the, the smell of the school building. And then smells to do with care as well. So that kind of smell of creams that you put on you or ointments or medicines, things that, you know, involved with care for you, um, they were quite warmly thought about as well.
2: Yeah, like Calamine or Vicks VapoRub.
8: Oh, Vicks vapor up. Seriously. Like that is my smell. I can just, open. I can turn the lid, have a smell. And I'm six, I'm six years old again. And just, you know, putting it on my chest because I've got a snuffly nose. Oh yeah. That's really about it. I
2: think about, I, I see you reminisce about that and react to that. And I see you sort of light up, but there's also a sense of sort of painful nostalgia. And nostalgia is its own other show. <laughs> but like, I think about um, some of the scents that I love and that really bring me back are this this creeping ivy that I have now in my backyard. And I only realized I was weeding it. And the smell of this ivy is so strong that I remembered instantly that it was at my grandma's house five hours away, uh, which I haven't been to in decades. And I immediately remembered being right in that backyard. and And that makes me feel kind of kind of good and kind of sad. And then I think about how I still use Old Spice classic scent because my first love when I was 13, she wore that. And I'm not in love with her anymore. But like, I remember just that amazing sense of connection and excitement and hope, which makes me feel good. And it also makes me feel kind of bad. So with these scents, with these super nostalgic scents, like, is it good for us to smell it? Or is it more complicated
8: than that? It's a well, do you know, it's such a good question. And I, because of course, by remembering the past, you're also thinking about what you've lost. So it's a real bittersweet thing, isn't it? And that's what makes nostalgia nostalgia a slightly painfully nice thing, because you're remembering these things, but you are remembering what you lost. So your first love, as you say, you don't love her anymore, but actually that excitement and that intensity of that first love you're never going to get that again so there's something about nostalgia and what they found with smell is that the olfactory pathway has a far more direct route to the um, emotional bit of our brain than any of the other senses all the other senses have to go through our thalamus or um you know have to go through all these different layers and then we can with each layer we sort of analyze it more or think about it more The nasal stuff just goes straight in. And I think that's why it can take us, knock us sideways because suddenly without being able to defend ourselves or protect ourselves or think, oh no, no, don't think about that because it doesn't make you feel good. It's there, you're thinking about it before you've even had a moment to stop. So they think that's why smells are so emotionally laden and they've managed to do lots of different sort of research on memories and smells. So if you try and get... um, a memory recalled. If you use smell, far more likely to get it recalled. But if you're trying to lay down a memory, if you add a smell to it, you're going to have a far more emotionally charged, richer memory. It's like smells the glue in a way that makes a memory more sticky and more big and your heard and more powerful. So yeah, it's such an interesting process, smelling.
2: That's wild because you're right. I think about You know, the the songs that can bring us back. Or we'd look at a picture and we're transported. Like, it works. (laughs) But there's nothing, like you said, just that knocks you sideways. That's it. Like, that smell.
8: That smell. That smell, and before you know it, memories that you might not have actively recalled for 20 years are in your head or a feeling. And there was this other really interesting research, and they tried to get people to remember memories based on smell and remember ba- memories based on words. And what they found was smell memories are far more uh, frequent from when you're 10 and under. So if you're using smells to access memories, You're far more likely to get memories from when you were 10 years old or under, whereas words more like for the 11 to sort of 20 age thing. So, again, it's about how when we were little and maybe didn't have the vocabulary we have now or the sort of understanding that smells with this essential survival way of sort of either thinking about things, remembering things, figuring things out. So I love that about smell as well. Oof,
2: I hadn't even thought of that. That's true. I, and I was going to ask something like, so if I wanted to insert a smell for myself now that could be significant later, I, I was, I was wondering like, well, is that even possible? And I don't even know why that wouldn't be impossible. But that makes total sense. Now it's just not the same. Our it's brains not the same. Are
8: different now than they were as children. That's it. There's something about the richness of, of how smell gets linked in with those memories um, as a child especially under the age of 10 there's something about that which i don't think we can recapture really as adults which is a shame no
2: at the same time you know we're talking about nostalgia and for the most part these these scents bring us back and it's pleasant enough but you work with children who are going through some hard stuff have been through hard stuff and are are still forming their brains and so is it the case that sometimes scents can be torture for some of the people you're working with
8: Yeah, absolutely. It's that flip side of the fact that smells can take us so quickly back to somebody, somewhere, something. If it's a nice cuddly granny, wonderful. If it's a traumatic memory in a traumatic situation or whatever, it's not so wonderful. So um, there's a lot of work in sort of PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, looking at these flashbacks and what triggers them. And so they could be just sound, but also just the whiff of something or somebody and how that can suddenly take you back to a situation where you were helpless, out of control, scared. But We can use that in therapy. So now as we're getting to know more and more and more about the power of smells, we can start very carefully in an evidence-based way, bringing those into therapy to either trigger memories that you can then work with or to kind of review memories and re-script them. And yes, you were helpless and out of control. But now you are a strong adult, and you know what difference does that make. So, so, so yes, because they're so emotionally charged, um, smells and smell memories, and because it has that direct link to that amygdala, then it could be quite intense for the difficult memories as well as for the nice, positive, happy memories.
2: And I think that it could also serve as a protective thing, like if someone's been in your house and you're like, mm, "I smell, I smell some." Was somebody here? Like, is somebody here? That's not nothing. That's a feature.
8: Well, definitely. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, when Fifi for for My Smell the smell of an Englishman. It's like, somebody's been up here. (laughs) Um, And I think it is a real survival sense. I think our sense of smell is absolutely crucial to our survival. And what's interesting is the research that looks at people when they lose their sense of smell and what that means for their emotions. So for example, they looked at people who score higher on scales of depression and their sort of lack of smell or kind of where they are with the smell. And those who have less sense of smell have higher depression. There's something linked in that, in again, in that sort of emotional sense relationship where if you can't smell, A, you're not sort of being able to access the world in that sort of more sense-based way, but it impacts on how you feel because suddenly and also not being able to think about things in a smell way. So I thought that was really interesting. And then with the COVID experiments that have been done, um, so people who had COVID and of course, one of the natural symptoms was loss of smell and taste, looking at mood And those who had lost more of their sense of smell were more anxious. And so you think, well, what came first? But, you know, so we still don't know. But there's something about mood states and smell and losing that ability to smell. I think it has an impact on your sense of safety and being able to literally smell where you are, but also your enjoyment, your pleasure, your engagement with the world, which I think we're only now coming to realise.
2: Well, I have asked... Everything I planned on asking, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with as we round out our conversation?
8: I mean, because you can all, you know, normally I would say do more of this or whatever and do less of this and that will impact your well-being. But actually with smells, I think just embrace smells, just really breathe in deep to them and enjoy where it takes you if possible, if it's a pleasurable enough memory and just be grateful for it because our sense of smell does change over our lifetime, you know, and when we get cold or when this happens, we can't smell, you know, we kind of miss it a lot. So look after your nose and enjoy the smells is what I would say.
2: <laughs> Dr. Angharad Rudkin, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank
8: you very much for having me along.
2: All right, let's hear some voices from audacious listeners talking about the smells that bring them back to childhood.
3: My name is Dave Borsvold, and I grew up in Orange and Woodridge before circumstances took me to the Midwest. I don't get particularly nostalgic about people or events, but time and seasons, yes. The smell that snaps me back to my teens is the scent of burning wood. It reminds me of the amazing fall color in that place that I really miss. A smell that reminds me
7: of my childhood is the smell of summer afternoon rain, or Yudachi. In Japan, our summer vacation is the longest break from school, and sometimes in the afternoons, you could smell the rain beginning to fall. Even today, That smell reminds me of my childhood and those summers.
3: A smell that always takes me back to my childhood is the smell of tomato plants, the leaves and the smell of the fresh-picked tomato. I remember them growing on uh, tomato plants outside the Philosophy Building in Blacksburg, Virginia at Virginia Tech. And I remember meeting the people there. Some of them would be scholars who would uh, work with my father for many years afterwards and shape my life in subtle ways. And uh, even though I only lived there for a year, that building and that smell reminds me of things that would uh, kind of dominate my life for the next 10 years.
1: Cigarettes and coffee. Not separately, only together. So if I smell coffee, like someone's drinking it or brewing it, especially brewing it, and also there's like cigarette smoke, it is like a complete vasovagal reaction. And it brings me right back to childhood and all of its traumas.
10: I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and um, I used to go walking on the streets as everybody did. and. Right in the middle of Broadway, which was the main thoroughfare that I lived on, there were these grates, these metal grates, that sat above the 7th Avenue IRT subway that ran up and down Broadway underneath the street. And there's a smell that wafts up from those subway grates. I don't know if it's the combination of the electricity that those things run on, I'm not sure what it is exactly, but it is a completely unique smell that I actually very much love. And when I have a chance to get back there, I walk across Broadway, and that smell hits my nose. I'm immediately transported back to my childhood.
11: Brighton Beach in Coney Island under the boardwalk in the 1960s. It smelled of damp sand, pee-pee, And it reminded me of the fragrance of street people and subway stations. There were two paths from the city sidewalk to the sand. The path under the boardwalk had no steps. My mom, myself, and my two sisters had so much to carry. It was easier than taking the staircase up to the boardwalk and then climbing downstairs to the beach. The smell was weak at first. As it got stronger, I felt like the smell would get stuck in my nose for the whole day and it would make me puke. If that happened, Mommy wouldn't let me go in the water. I held my breath as long as I could. When I just had to breathe, it was weak again. Then there was just fresh, salty air that smelled like sunshine and copper-toned suntan lotion. I forgot about the boardwalk smell until it was time to go home and we had to walk under it to leave the beach. I filled my lungs with the salty beach air to lessen how much stinky air went inside my nose. I felt proud that I learned how to breathe and how not to breathe under the boardwalk all on my own. You heard the voices
2: of Dave Borsfold from Mentor, Ohio, Higuchi Naoki from Osaka, Japan, Levi Lamaski from West Hartford, Brianne DeCio from Waterford, Matthew from Ecuador, and Nina LaSiga from Stratford. When we get back, more thoughts on what sense bring you back to childhood. I'm Kayone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me.
12: Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Hartford HealthCare recently celebrated the opening of the Ridge Recovery Center in Wyndham. Christy Scott, Vice President of Clinical Operations, describes this new state-of-the-art destination for healing.
6: Individuals will come if they're suffering from substance use disorder and get individualized treatment. They can stay up to three to four weeks and receive family therapy, individual therapy, group therapy, and lots of other holistic care like yoga, trail walking, acupuncture. So it's going to be a great place for people to come and heal.
12: For those seeking recovery, finding it close to home can sometimes be challenging.
6: Many individuals traveled to Florida and other states that have more treatment centers, so we're hoping by doubling our capacity at Hartford Healthcare, the individuals can stay in their home state with their family and support systems close by.
12: To learn more, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health.
6: This is Audacious.
2: I'm Kyone Wolf. Today we were inspired by this social media post by the poet Atticus. He wondered if maybe the afterlife is just Sitting on clouds, smelling the old smells that bring you back to childhood. And we thought, hey, let's do a whole show featuring people talking about what those smells are to them. Later, we'll hear from Atticus about what his smell is. But first, we wanted to check back in with some people who've been on Audacious before. Raquel V. Reyes joined us for a show about the stories behind personal kitchen utensils. What's her nostalgic smell?
1: It's coffee. It's specifically Café Cubano. Coffee in our culture, in the you know Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican, you know a lot of Latin America, is a social thing. And when you're a little kid, your first job is to take the little tray of demitasse coffees to the adults to make Cuban espresso the way it has to be. It has to have a little bit of foam on the top, and that's called espumita it smells like brown sugar. And you watch it as all the beautiful little bubbles are formed. And then you pour them into the little dimitas and then you walk them over and you serve everybody. Everybody's in the middle of conversation and this, all this great stuff going on. And I have that smell. And it is so tied up with family. And I remember coffee late at night, like, it would be almost time for everybody to go. The party had the music had done. All the food had been eaten. And then there would be the call, café. And people would raise their hands, right? And so, you know, I'd follow my abuela into the kitchen or my stepmom into the kitchen, and we'd make coffee for everyone. And so the smell is the joy and the socialness of it. But then making the espumita with that sugar and kind of that wonderful brown, sweet smell for me has like pride. So like my smells are associated with really good emotions. So that's my story.
2: Raquel V. Reyes is an author whose book, Calypso, Corpses and Cooking, just came out on October 11th. And you can see a video of how she makes Cafe Cubano at our website, ctpublicorg slash audacious. Next up, we reunited with Onel Agosa. He was a native of Benin, Africa, joining us at the time from Montreal, Canada. We were doing a show about what it's like being part of a diaspora. This time he joined us from South Africa, and these are the smells he wanted to tell us about.
7: In Benin, I think the one that I remember the most is the kind of Saturday afternoon um, at my grandmother's. My grandmother has... Um, the sea right behind her house. Um, so we'd spend the whole afternoon walking around collecting shellfish. And you'd get, obviously, as a kid, you go in the water, get dirty, and then you just have all of this salted smell, you know, kind of of the sea and the wind. And kind of you know it when the sea is right around the corner. And what I would love most is we'd get back home and then we'd shower. But the thing is, we didn't have kind of hot water right away available. So you actually had to boil some water and then add some cold water to make it like look warm. And every time I would have those afternoon showers, it was just like, God was like kissing me type of thing. Because number one, you're getting clean, but it's like all of the smell of the sea is just coming all the way back to you. And then after that, you walk around the neighborhood and it's like, it's been a hot afternoon. Everyone is waking up. And one thing that you'll see often in Benin in West Africa is just all of those food stands, it's kind of snack time and people are grilling donuts, grilling meats. Like we have a lot of barbecue on the side of the road. And it's just all of those smells kind of just for me, remind me of, of those afternoon with grandma. And just like it's home, you know, it's, it's, it's all of those afternoon smells of kind of just the neighborhood coming back to life after. A brief pause in the afternoon but that that the number one smell that reminded me of my childhood and the second one which is more canada was actually when i discovered winter for the first time and how cold it was <laughs> um, my favorite smell is you no, know, either coming back home or coming back to even like a cottage and just wood fire um when it's minus 25 minus 30 outside and you can just smell the wood and the fire and there's pot of soup and the soup just have the smell all over the house and all you know you have to do is just take off your clothes go for a warm shower and then just sit with a blanket eat your soup and just enjoy the smell that's the second best thing that can happen those wind i don't like winter that much but Creating that moment is something that I will continue to do for many years.
2: <laughs> that was Onel Agosa. Tanya Kohong was also part of our show about being part of a diaspora. She moved to the US from Korea when she was 18, and now she teaches poetry in New York. Here are her thoughts on scents that matter to her.
13: The smell of soup is like. So cold, like outside the winter time and you come in and then your mom is in the kitchen and then like this big part of the soup, oxtail soup, beef stew soup, you know, daikon soup, you know, all that soup and then rice and kimchi. That just like warms your soul food. And my dad was cooking for us, even though like I was 18. He's still like, okay, because we didn't learn how to cook. And then he was like a fifth, you so then like the oxtail was very cheap. <laughs> In the United States at the time, at RARP's, you know, like, and then he he got two packs. And then I said, oh, it looks gross. I'm not going to eat it. But, you know, later on when my dad passed away, then I'm making oxtail soup and thinking of him. But the broth. That we make all different kinds, you know, and that on the street fish cake soup. And you eat it with the topoki because it's topoki is so spicy. Can you see that my mouth is (laughs) full? I
2: haven't (laughs) had anything to eat yet, and this is very painful for me. But keep going, Uh, Tanya. Keep going.
13: It's just like amazing. And I was stopped eating. Korean food, when I was learning English, when I was, like, early 20s, I said, like, I'm going to stop eating Korean. I'm going to stop talking Korean, you know, because I wanted to assimilate it. Like, I want to talk with, like, Korean, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I do that. And now I feel like the season is, like, in New York City, it's, like, totally similar to Korea. And I am more craving for the food that I used to eat in Korea and the rice. Oh, my God. I just die for
2: it. Simple. Ancient, right, too. I wonder how much some of these foods and the smells of them bring us back to, dare I say, dare I say, earlier lifetimes or our ancestors. It's that smell that connects us way back.
13: Oh, it does. It just like it does so uh, right back, especially, you know, even the um, sesame seed leaves. Oh, my God. Just so good. And kimchi soup, it's just like so good. And then for foreigners, they could smell like, oh, that is like just too much fishy smell or too much awkward smell. It's not chocolatey cookie smell, right? But <laughs> you love it. Yeah. When you
2: talk about the foods that bring you back to your childhood, to being a teenager, hmm. is there a way that you can talk about what that food Feeling is.
4: Oh, that is
13: interesting. Yeah, the feeling is the loss of feeling. My mom died in a heart attack in Korea, so we flew back. The food is very important in Korean people. So that even funeral, that you feed the people after they come. And then they drive everybody's graveyard. and we bury our mom. and Everybody goes to this restaurant or in the graveyard. there's already have the restaurant system. So I'm not sure. But I we eat there. And they served daikon soup. Every time, even since now that when I um eating daikon soup, I never forget the moment that I had the daikon soup. Because I was so sad, and then I said, I'm not gonna eat it. But when I was taste like another you know, one soup, it was so good. I just buried it my mom. And soup and chili sauce is so good. So Even like my mom passed away about 27 years now. But um, still, I never can separate it. So whenever I have daikon soup, I always remember my mom. And it is a loss, but yet it's nurturing because all this soup, the food brings joy and then like a loss. But I think it somehow nurture me again.
2: That was Tanya Ko Hong. Last time I talked with Isaiah Harrington was in 2020 for a series called Us in the Time of Coronavirus. He was eight years old back then, but he's 10 now, and I had to know what scent brought this kid back to. Well, the earlier part of his childhood.
4: Okay, this scent still does bring me back to my childhood. The smell of Christmas candles and the special Avery sodas that we get every year. Wait, tell me about these sodas for people who don't know. Okay, there's so many different flavors. Okay, uh, when COVID first happened, they made a COVID soda. Well, what did it taste like? What did it look like? Uh, it was green. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. And it didn't taste that bad. But Avery, they make these different sodas for every year. And they have uni- unicorn yak, which is actually like really good. <laughs> Can we go back to the Christmas candles? Yeah. When I smell those candles, they just they just bring me back all those good times I have and those current good times I'm going to have with my family during Christmas or any time near Christmas. Because me and my mom, we usually start Christmas maybe like a few
2: days early. If you could choose one scent to be in one candle for all time, what would that scent be?
4: (sighs) I'd probably have to mix a whole bunch of very good senses of my family. So they'll always be there with me when I'm sad or mad or alone. I can always just sniff the candle and my family, they're right there.
2: When you feel sad, what are some ways that you
4: kind of inch out of it? What do you do? When I'm sad, first thing I want to do is I want to make sure I'm comfortable where I am. Make sure I feel relaxed and make sure I'm also relaxed and comfortable with the people I'm around and where I am. And then think of your family for at least a few minutes. And then any opportunity to no longer be sad and just be happy, take it smell a candle. Yeah.
2: Isaiah Harrington, thank you so much for talking with me. Welcome. We heard from some of our listeners, too, and a lot of them, understandably, were reminded of their parents or grandparents. Well, Mama always
13: tried to plant a dogwood plant. In the neighborhood, doggies would pee on it and kill her flowers. You don't kill the bush, but while it had flowers, it smelled good. What does it smell like? It's a mild aroma. It's not real strong like a rose. It's not like a rose.
1: I love the smell of my grandmother's house and the baking she used to do. When she passed, I noticed that her kitchen towels smelled like her house and her baking and so I took them and I put them in a Tupperware container so I could always smell them and to this day years later when I opened that Tupperware container I'm still right back in that house with her cookies and her Christmas trays. It's fantastic.
3: My smell memory that brings
6: me back is from childhood and it's the smell of my grandparents house in
1: Fairfield. It was must have been the detergent she used or the Cedar chest, or I don't know what it was, but the sheets smelled like home. And when
6: my grandparents passed away, I kept a pair in a Ziploc bag. And every once in a while,
1: I take it out to smell it and remember the love and the food and the hugging and everything that came along with being at my grandparents' house.
12: Growing up in a military family and traveling around the world, I often return to a very small house in Southern Wisconsin to find my grandmother in the kitchen cooking up her famous roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, Brussels sprouts, mashed potatoes, just a whole feast for us at holiday times, special occasions, and beyond. This was the meal that everybody wanted to have. And this would be my, you know, Last Meal on Earth suggestion would be this specific meal. She unfortunately got very sick very quickly, and she passed in 2007. Um, And she kind of held this family secret about how to make this Yorkshire pudding just the way everyone in the family loved it. Things on the internet and different recipes out there, I've tried uh, with my wife, several times to make all different kinds of variations on how to recreate that smell how to recreate that experience Uh, no matter what we've done uh, we haven't succeeded in in, in creating it exactly how she did so that smell that feeling uh, I feel is lost forever and I'm still chasing that smell
2: You heard the voices of Lisa Niedermeyer and her mother, Michelle, from Salt Lake City, Utah, Nicole Kuravan from Syracuse, New York, Janice Wolfe from Madison, and Brandon Blaine from Lebanon, Connecticut. After the break, what smells does a guest from our show about super smellers choose as the smell that brings them back to their childhood? Plus hear from death doula, Elua Arthur, and from Atticus, the poet who inspired the idea for this show with their poem about all this. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back.
0: You're listening to the new investigative reporting podcast in absentia, which means you're interested in getting to the facts and uncovering the truth. If you'd like to help us continue our investigative work, consider making a donation. Visit ctpublic.org slash tap support and contribute today. That's ctpublic.org slash T-A-P support. Thank you for being a part of the Accountability Project.
13: If you've never donated to this station before, that's okay. Public Radio is available to everyone for free. But we do rely on listener support from those who are able to give. So join the community of supporters for Public Media Giving Days. And thanks. Thanks.
0: Give now at ctpublic.org slash donate.
2: This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Elua Arthur was the very first guest on Audacious for a show about being a death doula. And she recently posted this quote by the poet Atticus on social media. Have you ever smelled a smell and it instantly brings you back to a happy moment from your childhood? I always love that. I hope that's what death is. Just sitting on a cloud, smelling old smells. This is what Ailua sent us.
5: When we posted the Atticus quote about smells that bring you back instantly from your childhood, immediately I thought of Ultra Sheen, which is a jar of blue pomade gel that my mom would use on me and my sister's hair on Saturday afternoon. There were four of us, she'd sit us down and do all of our hair in a row to get us ready for church on Sunday. That smell as an adult, I also associate with commitment and love and tenderness, even though uh, she wasn't so tender in doing the hair, but the tenderness, the care it takes to do the hair of four young Black women every Saturday afternoon before we went to church on Sunday. I really hope that death reminds me of my mother's love and care and uh, how beautifully held I was as a child. That's all. Now you brought me to tears. <laughs> Have a beautiful day.
2: Thanks eternally to Elua Arthur for that voice note and for inspiring this whole show by posting that quote by the poet Atticus. You can find her, and oh, you should definitely find her everywhere at Going With Grace. So, what does Atticus the poet have to say about this idea?
9: So behind my house where I grew up, there's this grassy hill called Anderson Hill, but all the kids called it Blueberry Hill. And it's this oak meadow with mossy rocks and it's right on the ocean. And there's something so wonderful about um, all of these smells, you know, the ocean coming in with the oak trees and and the moss, and it kind of mixes together in a melody. And every time I walk up there, I just get these incredibly vivid pictures of my childhood. It's almost like eight millimeter playing. And I'm kind of obsessed with it you know it's just I I love how clearly I can see it and how clearly I'm just brought back to my childhood you know running on the hills uh with my like brother and siblings and and like building forts and having wars with other kids um it's just it was such a special memory for me
2: now besides sitting on a cloud smelling old smells what do you think or better yet what do you hope besides that happens after you die (laughs)
9: <laughs> uh, um i mentioned the kind of eight millimeter and and we talked about kind of looking backwards and i think part of the where this poem came from is that i would love to just like go into an eight millimeter film and if, if that's what my my heaven is <laughs> that would be terrific you know because i, I think I, i've always loved looking backwards and and certainly in the kind of like sepia tones of many many years ago but I have a quote that says, uh, when you you know, I'll butcher it, but it's something along the lines of when I die, I hope I end up in a as a brush stroke in a Monet painting. I think that would be wonderful.
2: Atticus, thank you so much for your poetry and for talking with me.
9: It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: You can follow Atticus along with 1.6 million other people on Instagram at Atticus Poetry and a new book, L-V-O-E. Is available now at AtticusPoetry.com. Our final guest today is Heather Reem, And if you heard our show about super smellers, you remember Heather. And if you hadn't heard her before, well, you'll remember her after this. Heather's strong ability to smell likely has a lot to do with the fact that she's an HSP, a highly sensitive person. That's a personality trait that roughly categorizes 20% of the general population, HSPs often demonstrate heightened senses of all kinds, and they tend to be extremely empathetic
6: and sensitive to
2: pain. Here's what she said when we sent her that poem by Atticus and asked her what came to mind.
6: Well, first of all, I have to say it was incredibly hard to narrow it down. Oh, so, <laughs> I narrowed it down to three runners up and one winner, and and, and I love I, that quote was so great. Thank you for sharing it with me. In fact, I think that. The first example I have might actually um, tie in beautifully to that quote. So my first favorite childhood smell is the smell of freshly baking bread, which I know I even mentioned last time I was on the show, just as one of my, my favorite smells. But this one is specific to a place in time. So uh, for many years here in Knoxville, Tennessee, we had the Kearns Bakery on Chapman Highway. And every morning, if you were in like a two mile radius, you would smell this gorgeous smell of freshly baking bread and the scent would float over South Knoxville like a giant hug from your memo and <laughs> it was so wonderful and, and and the thing that I that made me think of that that quote instantly was right across the bridge it's across the Henley Street Bridge you had the Kearns bakery on one side and the Baptist Hospital on the other, which has since been torn down but I think how many people, we're in the Baptist hospital. Maybe they had been up all night. Maybe they had been with somebody who was giving birth. Maybe they had been with someone who had passed away, but they smelled that smell of the Kerns bread. And what a feeling, like what a collective experience, right? The feeling of life moving on. I know, I just, I can't. <laughs> Kion, you bring out the HSP in me. I'm just going to, I'm going to be a big teary <laughs> mess
2: already. But, but you bring it out and me too. Okay, go go ahead
6: that is so kind. Thank you. So that, that's beautiful. Like I just, I just love to think about that connection. So another one of my absolute favorite smells from childhood is moonbeams pencils. Do you remember moonbeams? No. Moonbeams, I believe that they were manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but they were sold in school stores everywhere in the eighties and the nineties. And they were decorated in beautiful colors and they had sentiments on them like you know, perfect attendance and, you know, happy Halloween and stuff like that. Not that I was ever a perfect attendance person. I wasn't, I don't know about you. You did not get that pencil. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but I loved them so much that I actually went on eBay and I found some. And I also installed a hand crank pencil sharpener in my storage area like we had in school. No, it's, <laughs> I'm hardcore, hardcore about that. So you might be asking, So what's so special about moonbeams, right? Okay. So besides how pretty they are, the shavings smell more earthy and richer than regular pencils. And when I smell both the graphite and the shavings uh, simultaneously, there's kind of a spicy kick there, almost like a gunpowder tea, if you've ever had it. So, you know, I have this image of myself standing in line at the school pencil sharpener, you know, you're you're sitting there, you're grinding your pencil, you're thinking about the day, and there's something about a freshly sharpened pencil that's a fresh start, it's um, fresh ideas, it just smelled like honest good work, and it still does, which is why I still use them. (laughs) So my third runner-up, was, I guess, first runner-up, I guess, if we're doing it. But (laughs) I also loved the smell of the library. So here in the main branch here in Knoxville is called the Lawson McGee Branch. And the entire bottom floor was for for the kids. And it had kid-sized bathrooms and kid-sized water fountains. And it was just perfect. But then as I got a little older and I grew into adolescence, I moved up to the second. And the third floor is where the adult books were. And the stacks there have such a distinct smell. It's a little bit musty, but it's mostly like a stale cake donut. It's very sweet. It's a very sweet smell. And there's an atmospheric heaviness to the stacks. So it, the smell tends to surround you on all sides and you're just, you're enveloped in the smell. You've got the aroma and the silence of the books and it's just that Insulation is just such a safe space, and it was just such a safe place for me. And the library was one of my favorite places growing up, and it actually reminded me of the church sanctuaries of my childhood. Both places were heavy with history, they were surrounded by infinite stories that were holy with possibility. So the library was where I learned about the world while I was waiting to be old enough to make my way into the world. Okay, so Kion, I, I'm telling you now, I won't be able to make it through my favorite childhood smell <laughs> without bursting into tears, but it's really important, and I wanted to share it, and I um, appreciate the opportunity. So, there's one smell from childhood that by far stands above the rest, and that's the smell of being poor, and I would, I would describe that smell as kind of like a mix of bacon and cigarettes, and that might smell great because you might be thinking, oh, like a diner at 2 a.m. where you and your friends are having a blast, and you're chain smoking, and you're having breakfast, and you're talking about everything from capitalism to John Waters movies, but uh, it's really more like reused grease from thousands of cheap fried meals that have soaked into your pores, and the smell of stale smoke that has yellowed the walls years before you moved in, plus the fresh smoke from your mom's pack of basic 100s. It smells like the two housing projects that I grew up in and the series of cramped apartments and the trailer we moved into after daddy died when I was 11. It smells like lack. It smells like shame. It's. It smells like your name hanging off the branches of the angel tree. It smells like camouflaging the stink of it with heavy handed spritzes of Avon perfume or gloves of fabric softener in the washing machine. It smells like self-diminishment and trying to be worthy of someone's charity. But it also smells like hope because you know that it can always get worse and it might even get better. It smells like your teachers pulling their money together to buy you clothes for Christmas for 7th grade. It smells like your mom working two jobs to sacrifice herself in order to put food on the table. It smells like your sweet neighbor who's a veterinarian Giving your dog cookie free medical care because your mama couldn't afford it, but you and your sissy love that dog. And most importantly, it smells like compassion and it smells like empathy because almost no one who has ever smelled poor wants anyone else to go through what we did. Many of us have become handholders reaching out to others to help lift them up. Some of us are deal makers or hustlers or whatever we need to be politically and personally to make sure that people we care about don't ever have to smell poor. We have become chain breakers. And that's why the smell of being poor is my favorite.
4: Because it created something sweet in me out of something rotten. And that's it. I love you. I love you. You keep
6: doing the good work, Kayom. We've got to keep being the gentle and the loving voices out there. That's the only way we're going to get out of this. That's the only way we're going to break through and make it a better place for everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
2: You can and, oh, you should read every little thing she writes at Heather Ream. That's R-E-A-M.com. Audacious is always lovingly produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, with help from our interns, Jacob Gannon and Taylor Doyle. If you liked this crowdsourced episode, and I know you did, check out the other ones we did this way, like the one about people's superstitions, definitions of forgiveness, and favorite kitchen items. There was even one where we featured 40, that's 4-0, 40 people talking about what they're angry about in an episode called Why You So Salty. Subscribe on whatever app your thumb reflexively goes to on your phone when you want to listen to a podcast. Send me your childhood sense, poetry, or whatever else is on your heart, on the social medias at Kion Wolf, or you can send me an email at audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for listening.